Here's what's ahead of us on Abounding Grace. Today, we'll cover the dynamics, the role, and the responsibilities of what is commonly known as in-laws. You know the difference, don't you? You know the difference between an in-law and an outlaw? Outlaws are wanted. (laughs) Today, we cover that dynamic. It's a vital relationship that's often overlooked. This is amazing grace. It's time for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the middle of a series called Family Matters. And as you heard a moment ago, today we're going to focus on the in-law relationship. Genesis 28 through 31 tells us the story of an in-law that made some very poor decisions and serves as an example of what not to do as an in-law. His name is Laban. And today and tomorrow, we'll hear all about this challenging and painful in-law relationship with the hope that it will serve to help you go down the right path when the time comes. Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. In a Bible study that I've entitled, In-Laws Matter. In-Laws Matter. As we've been learning about the family, there are many dynamics that are at work within our relationships. We've studied singles, husbands, wives, parents, marriage, single parents, singles. We, we've studied each role, not all roles exclu- you know, exhaustively, but each role we've looked at of how God desires us to live. And it's important that we pause and step back and take a look at our own homes and evaluate our homes. It's important that we look to the Lord as we're leading our homes, as we've learned that judgment begins in the house of God. It doesn't begin out there. It begins in here. And not only in here, but it begins in your own personal house, your own leading, your own home. It's too easy to look outside of our homes and find everything wrong while all at the same time letting our house be in disorder and upside down. And we've learned that only God can help us, and he does. We learn in Proverbs 24, verse 3, through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it's established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all the precious and pleasant riches. And it's the wisdom of God that both gives us the tools to build and to help establish our homes upon Jesus Christ, the solid rock of our faith in him. So today we'll cover the dynamics, the role, and the responsibilities of what is commonly known as in-laws. Now I do appreciate that other phrases are used. I've heard phrases like in-laws. I've heard the phrase be replaced in love. I've even heard the phrase replaced with not in-laws, but outlaws. Oh, by the way, by the way, you know the difference, don't you? You know the difference between an in-law and an outlaw? Outlaws are wanted. (laughs) Thank you very much for that courtesy laugh. Today we cover that dynamic. It's a vital relationship that's often overlooked. 
And I do want to give a special appreciation to Pastor Skip Heitzig because he really helped me think through some of these things and organize it in a way to deliver, and I appreciate him very much. In-law relationships are overlooked and neglected and ignored. And because of that, many couples and families suffer greatly because the lines that God or the boundaries that God has created have been blurred or even worse, been eliminated by outright ongoing disobedience. In-laws can either be a blessing or a curse in a relationship. Father-in-laws, mother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, brother-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, son-in-laws, all of them can either be encouragements or discouragements within relationships. Now I can say that I have wonderful in-laws. Having been together now with Marie for 36 plus years of our life, 32 of them married, we have grown in our love for one another and our love for each other's families. And I know Marie would say that she has been blessed by my parents while they were alive as her in-laws, as they loved her as one of their own. Marie and I even once had the privilege of being good in-laws ourselves. And we were enjoying helping our son and our grandson and his new family launch off into their new life until, unfortunately, quite a few circumstances brought that to a screaming halt, which is unfortunate and it's challenging. Jay Adams, in his book, Solving Marriage, writes, Perhaps the most difficult of all relationships to deal with is the in-law relationship. And it's true that you marry the family. Unlike other situations, you simply can't avoid your in-laws. Listen, church, this sinful resistance to the roles that God has given simply cannot continue. And it's important, as all of the things that we've studied thus far, this topic too must be heeded to be all that God desires, bringing great glory to his name through our lives. So today I want to cover four different aspects of the in-law relationship. And let me say at the outset that it's impossible to cover every aspect, number one. And number two, there is an underlying assumption as we're teaching these studies. The underlying assumption is that when it comes to sin, we don't approve of sin. Sin wrecks everything. So there are extreme situations within our relationships that you might be listening to me go, wait a minute, Ed, what about this and what about that? Let me say that some of your situations will not be covered here, will not be mentioned here, even though it's very difficult for you. And you may need to sit down with a pastor to sort out exactly how it is you're to relate to your in-laws considering the difficulty that you're in. But the assumption is, they look, like, like for example, if it's abusive situation, God is not calling you to continue on in an abusive situation, to continue on. No, if it's an abusive situation, involve the authorities right away. Get to a place of safety and tell the people that need to know what's happening in your life. That's an extreme situation. Some live under extreme situations. But most of what we're going to cover today is very normal. Very normal among us as in-laws. And the importance for us to understand God's perspective. We're going to look at a a person by the name of Laban. Between Jacob and his daughter Rachel, he's a horrible in-law. And he's going to become a pattern and a model for us to learn how to be a better in-law. And then by the time we end today, we're going to end with a couple of good examples of in-laws to give you some homework so you can see in the Bible that these relationships exist. And it is possible to do it right. But I do know when I broach this subject, there is pain in the room. 
And I, I know that, and I prayed through it, and I recognize it, and I wish there wasn't. You know, I wish we could live in heaven right now. Amen? I mean, it's like heaven's going to solve it, but we're not in heaven yet. I think we know that. And so what we need is to learn how to walk in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of our flesh. How, how to learn to be the one that exhibits 1 Corinthians 13, agape love toward those difficult situations. To learn how not allowing, to, we got to learn how not to allow the things outside of our control to affect the things that we do control. And that happens a lot. Where situations are outside of your control and there's nothing you, much you can do about it. So it just makes you all of a sudden and gets you off guard. And then by the time you, you look back at your life, you go, wait a minute. I've made all these bad decisions because I've been upset about something I don't even control. As painful as it might be. So four things I want to show you today. I want to give you God's perspective from the parent. And then I want to give you God's perspective from him. Then we want to learn God's perspective for in-laws in general. And then finally, for the children. Now remember, an in-law relationship begins with marriage. That's where it happens. A, a new marriage creates the in-law relationship. So let's look back at Genesis chapter 28. And we'll notice a very challenging and painful in-law relationship between Jacob, his wife, Rachel, and her dad, Laban. Which unfortunately has been repeated over and over again. So I turn your attention to Genesis chapter 28, verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples, and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. Now, parents, I want you to mark these next words in your Bible. If you like to write in your Bible, circle them, highlight them, star them. This is point number one, and it's in verse five. So Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban, the son of Bethuel the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. That phrase, Isaac sent Jacob away. Parents, you have a responsibility within the in-law relationship, and your responsibility is to release your children. Or you could say it this way, to send your children away. In a good way, but nonetheless. You're to release them. The role of parents is to raise and release your children. That's what Isaac does here. He releases his son from the safety and security of his home, for a new relationship. You could say it this way. He's releasing his son for a new them. A new relationship that begins with marriage. Your singular goal, parents, we've studied this in earlier studies. But your singular goal as a parent is to get your kids to Jesus. Get them to the cross. Get them to the place where they themselves recognize their own sinfulness... See the great love of God in sending Jesus to die for them, buried and rose again, that by Jesus' shed blood, your kids will place their faith in him, receive the forgiveness of their sins, and live the rest of their lives living for God. That is your responsibility. That is your singular responsibility. 
Even though along the way there are other responsibilities, there are other things as parents that we have in responsibility for our kids. But in a spiritual sense, number one, get your kids to Jesus. However, along the way, there is that time to launch them off into adulthood to make their own life of faith in him. One of the greatest gifts that parents can give their kids is freedom. This is your responsibility. When it comes to marriage, remember, when it comes to your kids getting married, this is the instruction from the Lord. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Here's the same verse, Genesis 2.24 in the New Living Translation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Here's the principle. You may hear it. You, you may hear it. You should hear it used here very often when it comes to marriage. The principle is this. You are to leave and cleave. Leave and cleave. First step is you leave your present home, your mother and father, and then in marriage, you are to cleave to your husband or wife. That is the instruction of the Lord, to leave and cleave. And it's amazing to me as I read Genesis chapter 2, it's amazing to me to think through that Adam and Eve was given this instruction, but they had no parents. This was a future instruction for them. God was teaching them what marriage would look like from then on and how it would go forward in their home. That God, he was establishing marriage through them for the future. For the immediate future, as they would have children specifically. And that was part of the plan. That they themselves would model what a marriage is to their children. And should encourage those children to go out and establish families of their own. So you could say that the role of parents is to release their children's security. You've got to think in your mind and come to this place where you're like, you look at your kid and you say, I've raised you, I love you, but now it's time for you to get out on your own. You see, parents, you need to learn to affirm in your mind from time to time that you're raising those kids for the Lord and will launch them off one day. I know that there is that, you know, for every parent, there's always that age that they remember their kids in. You know, the people that study these things say it's usually between 8 and 12, where you just got that ideal age of which you just wish your kid was there all the time and that's they never grew up, but they do grow up. And we need to grow up with them in our own maturity, preparing them to launch. You can't have them forever. Our children do not belong to us. They belong to the Lord. Your kids are not your little science experiment, but they are precious kids made in the image of God with a life of their own to live. And you have a responsibility to help them launch off in that new life. Remember in Psalm 127, verse 3, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Children are a gift. God's gift to us, but they are a temporary gift at that. They have been lent to us by the Lord. They are not yours, really. You're simply a steward and have stewardship, raising them, training them, in the way that they should go. And listen, you must release them to leave and cleave. 
and make it abundantly easy and easier for them to do this. This is really where the rubber meets the road as an in-law, especially as a mother-in-law, father-in-law. You have a responsibility to not only allow them and encourage them to leave, but also help them to cleave to their spouse, to their husband or wife. You not only need to train them and teach them and release them, but you also need to choose to make it easier for them in their new marriage, not harder. And I know there are some among us that have experienced both sides, where you've made it easier, but also there are some that have seen it, made it harder. And God just won't bless that, making it harder. Now, for those that are leaving mom and dad, I want you to understand this, the other side. Those that are leaving mom and dad to cleave in a new marriage, understand this. Leaving and cleaving doesn't mean deserting and abandoning. There is a new relationship that continues on the foundation of the previous one. You don't just get up and go, okay, it's time. I'm getting out as fast as I can. I'm never going to talk to my parents again. That is sin. That is a sinful response. You want to learn how to grow together and build upon the relationship that started. At some point in life, there is an allegiance shift. For example, for the young man getting married, what that means is, is that his mom is no longer the dominant female in his life. His wife is. For a young man getting married, leaving and cleaving, no longer will be the mom be the most dominant or the most important woman in his life. No, rather his wife will be the most important woman in his life going forward. And so moms, you just have to accept that there is a new relationship, and although there is a new dominance, there's a new relationship, it doesn't diminish you, you're moving on to a new phase of relationship. And for the young girl getting married, what that means is, is that her father is no longer the dominant male in her life. Her husband is. And so for the dads seeing their daughters get married, they can't be personally offended that now her time and attention is spent toward her husband. That's the way it should be. And you and I have a responsibility to encourage them in that way. No couple will ever reach their full potential in marriage without this important change by the parents. And let me say this next as clear as I possibly can. I spent a lot of time trying to choose my words carefully trying to put it in such a way where there'll be no misunderstanding. So I want to say it clearly. It is sin to hover, meddle, pry, gossip, control, interfere in your children's marriage. Let me say it again. It is a sin to hover, you know, the new thing that's popular to be that helicopter. Well, I'm just a helicopter pilot. I'm just a helicopter pilot parent. It's okay to be a pilot, but to be a helicopter parent... To hover around, to meddle, to interfere, to pry, to gossip, to try to control your kid's marriage, it's a sin. Directly or indirectly. Aggressively or passive-aggressively. It is sin to be repented of even now if necessary. And let me just say, not only is it a sin, but you will reap the consequences of such decisions If that's the route that you choose, the wages of sin will always be death. And it will be a painful end. 
Even to you younger couples, you need to understand leaving means that you're making your spouse the most important, significant person in your life. You're starting your own family and your own home with your own decisions, which means you're going to take your own responsibility for those decisions. It's not just merely moving out of the house, but you are literally leaving the covering of your parents to a new covering. And it's important that you choose to regularly develop this relationship with your mom and dad and the mom and dad of your spouse. How do you do that? Well, consider. Consider these things. Number one, you should commend your spouse frequently in front of your mom and dad. You should speak positively about your spouse in front of your mom and dad. You should praise his or her virtues. You should talk often about their good points. Never, choose never to complain about your spouse in front of your parents. To never speak down about your spouse in front of your parents. Never use negative language, because this is why. It will make it much more difficult for your parents to ever love and respect your mate as they should if all you ever do is complain about them. Like if you have a real true complaint about your spouse, take it to the Lord. That is Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. His message today is titled, In-Laws Matter, and it can be heard again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, let's say someone listening right now has some in-laws that are meddling in their marital relationship. They haven't released their kid. Now, while some might be tempted to cut them off or play keep away with the grandkids, how should they handle that difficult situation? Well, you know, Larry, let's just say right at the outset that it is a difficult situation. It is an absolute cruel thing to withhold your grandchildren from their grandparents. And it's, it's not from the Lord. It's not biblical. Uh, it, is, it's, it brings horrific, long-lasting, painful, sinful circumstances and consequences. And so if you're listening to me right now, uh, please reconsider Uh, Change your heart. Repent of that sin of using your grandkids or your children as a pawn and a tool in any relationship. Of course, if there's a dangerous situation, uh, let's get that danger resolved. But generally, it's not a dangerous situation at all. Um, I think that if you're an in-law today and you are influencing your son or daughter to not live a life that honors Jesus, you're making a grave mistake. And it's just not God's will. I have a lot to say and a lot to think about. You know, I have a, I, I have a lot to say about this, but it's, this isn't the right forum, Larry. I think it's important that you listening in right now will come to the Lord, repent, and get back into the place of fruitfulness. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. Surrender. Get out of your kid's way. Let them follow the Lord. And if they're not following the Lord, then correct them to follow the Lord. But for those of you that are being, are the effect of that, I, I, my heart is out with you and I pray for you. Good advice there. Thanks, Pastor Ed. And if you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. We'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com by clicking on Contact. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. 
And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliot. Maybe you never realized this before, but there is a link between suffering and love. God's love for us is evidenced in the sending of Jesus to carry our sins on the cross. He faced the ultimate pain of suffering, but through it all, won the victory on our behalf. This truth has led Elizabeth to say, whatever is in the cup that God is offering me, whether it be pain and sorrow and suffering and grief, along with the many more joys, I'm willing to take it because I trust Him, because suffering is never for nothing. Request a copy today by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store. You know, your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Making a donation to the ministry is easier than ever through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Tell a friend about these daily studies, and then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from God's Word. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.